As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. On today's episode of the Android's Dungeon, intrigue. Did I come up with that idea? Did someone else? Are they behind me? Ah! No. It was my idea, and Joel's. Stay tuned. Welcome to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 93.3 FM, uh, CFRU.ca. You can probably go to channel, I don't know, 572 on your box, something like that, if you have a box, cable box. Joel, do you have a cable box? Absolutely not. No, I wonder how many people in our generation <laughs> have cable boxes. What is cable? What is cable? Although I think they're starting to get competitive with some of the prices on that stuff. Like, they actually want you to come back and... I guess they'd have to. Because it's, it's, it was just so greedy for so long. And I think for sports stuff, it's brutal. Like, if you want to actually watch sports, they're going to squeeze you hard. But now, for just basic cable packages, I think people can pay, like, I don't know, 50 bucks a month if you really want to watch basic cable. Was there some kind of law recently where they had to, they couldn't do the bundles anymore? They had to break them up, or was yeah, that I think that you're imposed? No, you're right. I think they they forced you to, or they forced the uh, big uh, three to bust up the channel so that um, it used to be there's like one channel in the bunch that you'd want to buy or you'd want to watch, and they made you buy the whole bunch. So now you can pay individually for them. As far so as you I didn't know. have to get the house building and the cooking and the <laughs> everything else along with your whatever. <laughs> well, I know that my coworker loves uh, basketball. And he is paying a fortune to watch basketball games, but it's still not enough to watch all the basketball games out there. You still have to pay extra for like superior packages, and then you're still blocked out of games too. Like unless you pay a fortune for this stuff. But anyway, the brief little uh, side note on cable packages and uh, <laughs> thank God I don't watch basketball <laughs> and games. I guess <laughs> yeah. Um, Joel, what have you been playing recently? Um, the other day, actually last night, I taught uh, a friend of mine how to play Hive. Describe Hive for us, please. Hive is definitely an abstract strategy. You think about abstract strategy, you think about chess. Uh, I've heard a lot of people sort of... I remember back in Korea, I had a friend who had a paper version. He just printed it out. Yeah, you could. Nothing's stopping you from just making your own Hive easy. Yeah. And he, he would always say, hey, you want to play Hive? It's a lot like chess. Mm. Um, <laughs> Do you agree or disagree with that? Well, hold on. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. There are similarities and differences. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the similarity is there's something you don't want to get captured. And in Hive, that's your queen. Mm-hmm. The queen bee. Uh, so the object to Hive is to surround uh, your opponent's queen bee. And you say, okay, well, what does that look like? Well, everybody's got hexagonal pieces and like Jack said there's no reason why you need them to be nice thick um, how do you describe it it's not a tile it's too thick to be a tile in the the base set or you mean if I went yeah, out and bought high purchase the game it's it's almost like a porcelain it's it's like a poker chip a super thick poker chip perhaps I don't know what it's very tactile it feels great to be honest yeah, but. yeah probably 
the best reason to get it is <laughs> it would last forever you could take it anywhere yeah and uh yeah it's beautiful uh design and obviously they put the work in to design the game so very minimal start work too all on credit the, the to them mm -hmm. yeah uh, but basically you take these hexagonal tiles and each one has a different insect on it. Each insect has its own abilities. Uh, and basically the, the only rules that you need to adhere to is you can't go through spaces where you wouldn't normally be able to fit. You mm -hmm. can't break the hive, which mm -hmm. means, you know, you're building, uh, this hive out apart from you yourself and your opponent. And the last rule I think is that you need to place your B, uh, by the fourth move. That's always been a, a rule that I thought was interesting because it's, I've played Hive a few times, and it's usually like, I don't know, second turn, third turn, B down. I don't know if you're supposed to respond to your opponent, and it's like, like oh, they put their B down this time. It's a very aggressive strategy of an early queen B. I, I don't know. I don't understand it. It seems weak to put the B down very early. I agree. I don't, I don't really see the reason for putting it down earlier. Uh, you're not allowed to move until you've placed your B. So maybe if you want to get a quick move on. Mm. Interesting. Somebody thought they had broken the game last night by um, somebody places, or if you go first and you place a beetle, mm -hmm. your opponent, no matter what they place, you could just put your beetle on top and then they have nowhere to place something. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't realize you, you couldn't move until the B was placed. Yeah, yeah. Which is like, so right away, even without getting into too much of the uh, intricacies of this game, you're hearing us discussing strategy on it. And... So let's go back to the chess comparison because I've seen it thrown around a lot before and it, I think it's a silly comparison except for just kind of trying to explain the game as a general. I think any in-depth comparison is, is off, but would you, how would you feel or how would you describe or put the two and two together, chess versus hive? The first similarities that come to mind are there is a hierarchy of quality of the pieces. Yeah. It's, there's no mistaking that a spider is inferior to an ant. A mm -hmm. spider can move exactly three. It can't move less. It can't move more. Yeah. Uh, whereas an ant can move as far as it wants. Yeah. Um, with that said, you know, uh, that's pretty much where the similarities end. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a strategic game where you can take a long time to beat somebody or you can rush to beat them. So in that case, I suppose that's another similarity. But aside from that, um, you're basically, it's a game of spatial awareness as well as sort of anticipating your opponent's next move. and. Yeah, I'd say that's that's a good way to put it because you have to look at the whole board. You can't just be focused on, oh, I'm moving this dude across the map and that's my turn because there's one, every move opens up different possibilities. And if you move this away, all of a sudden you freed up one of his units to make a move or now their grasshopper can pin you down over here or... It, there's a lot of reaction and counter-reaction that can play out in Hive. It's it's a neat game. Hive is a lot of fun. What's a, what's a game like Hive? Uh, I haven't played Checkers. that uh, <laughs> that modular one with a tack. Tack. Oh, see, I haven't played tack either. But again, it's another one of these things that gets brought up in the abstracts as being king of games. That like tack and go. Go is a little more extreme, obviously, but yeah. tack is something that again. You don't need to go and buy a copy of TAC, even though I guess if you went to a thrift store and found it cheap, great. Anyway, TAC, good game that I've never played. We should pick it up and we should try it sometime. Maybe we'll learn. Maybe we won't. Uh, so Tic Tac Lumberjacks, another great game. Have you played that? I just bought it, actually. Oh, is that the one where you have to flick the, the disc out? 
Yeah, so, so you've got an axe, actually. Oh, you've actually... Oh, chop. It's <laughs> cute as heck. little tower. <laughs> oh, it reminds me of Super Rhino, which I... Oh, I want to play Super Rhino. Oh, it's fun. Um, so we were... We, it got brought up a lot when we were talking about Hive, but let's segue into chess a little bit, because uh, if you know anything about Joel, Joel is quite fond of the game of chess, and he is responsible for organizing tournaments, and there was a period, I don't know if he's still doing it, where... If you turned away for a second, Joel would be on his phone and he would be poning noobs online, <laughs> hopefully. Uh, chess is the game of kings, Jack. The game of kings. Joel, how long have you been playing chess for? Oh, since I was maybe four or five years old. Mm -hmm. uh, but I did go on a very long hiatus, so it's not exactly accurate that I've always been playing. I think I, I used to play against my next door neighbor and I never won a single game. He was ruthless. <laughs> <laughs> he just just didn't let up, right? I'm just imagine this little boy, little Joel, full of love and the yeah. hell, and just want to play. And my neighbor was in his middle ages too. It wasn't <laughs> like he was some kid. I'm just crushing you, Ruth, idiot! You yeah. make a mistake. He's yeah, Russian exactly. for some reason. <laughs> it must be. Um, I'm just gonna leave it at that. He must be Russian. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I didn't play for a little bit, and then I think I was around 17, 18 years old. Uh, there were some guys that would go to a coffee shop and smoke a pipe mm -hmm. and play chess, and that just sounded so cool. So I joined them, and that's where you kind of learn. You say smoke a pipe like a cenepad. <laughs> yeah, wooden pipe with tobacco. It's pretty cool, man. It was really cool, especially playing chess, Starbucks. Yeah. So it, it, at this point, would you say this was like the the renaissance for you? Did you have, did you, were you learning strategy? Were you, did you consider yourself someone who really paid attention to the game or was this more just like, it was a hobby, it was just something to do? This is where I really got into the book aspect of chess. So mm -hmm. uh, I was losing a lot and I wanted to win. So I studied and uh, I read a really good book, which I would recommend to anybody who's starting out called the Game of Chess by Sieber mm -hmm. Tarash. Mm -hmm. And Sieber Tarash was a grandmaster back in the day, but he was, he's super arrogant, like mm -hmm. such a jerk. He, he's looking at all these <laughs> world's best players, uh, world champions and everything like that. And he's reviewing their games and he's saying, oh, look at how stupid this move was. What a smug. Like, oh, what an idiot. This is what he should have done. He should have done this. Oh, move. great. Thank you, Trubash. But anyway, he breaks down very basic functions with how you need to finish a game, checkmate, end game, mid game, mm -hmm. start game, all of these uh, fundamentals, valuing pieces, everything like that, all the things you need to know. Mm -hmm. And it's very simple language, very easy to understand. And how about you, Jack? You I grew up chess? with chess. Dad loves chess, or at least he, he has a strong fondness for it. And we have this great old chess board that um, nice wooden chessboard with felt bottom. And I think he, or the pieces all wooden carved and have felt bottoms. And I think he picked it up somewhere exotic too, which adds to the mystery. And one of the pieces as well, I think it's a rook or a knight. Knight's a funny one. Uh, has been chewed quite badly by our old family dog. And he did a number on one of those ones, but just it adds to the character of this board. Yeah, and, it's um, the family board. The family board. And there was a while there where um, we'd play chess and there was this thing my father would do and I make it sound like he's dead. He's not. He's quite alive. <laughs> but we'd uh, get the newspaper and we'd on this. It was a Saturday thing. 
or Sunday, and we'd recreate the, uh, there was a game or like there was a puzzle, and we'd set up the board that way, and then you'd try to solve the puzzle, which sounds quite laborious for how s simple the puzzles are, but it was more just a learning exercise for like, what we, what would you do in this situation? Be able to keep an eye on it, and like in a future situation, you could say, ah, I remember something. Like this versus I love the, those puzzles. They're yeah. great. They're, sometimes they're a little weird, and I'm like, I don't know about that, but they're based off of, I think, real games where... They say like, oh, they kind of like reverse step a couple of ways and say, oh, look what the grandmaster did in this situation. They even reference what game it happened in. But very cool. I even went to chess camp, which sounds crazy. What? You went to chess camp? It was an, it was an after school thing when I was in grade, uh, I want to say grade three or four, somewhere around there. And it, it was at the the old YMC or Victor Davis pool in Guelph, which is funny because there's a pool, but then <laughs> they were, were renting space upstairs to play chess. Just to play. And we were taught by this kid in university. What was it like? Um, I, I wish I could say I got more out of it than I did. It was more just like a kid meetup and with some chess influences. Like there were a bunch of boards set up and you were all playing games. And that was kind of it. And there was, he would go over strategy. But I think we were just too young and kids are rambunctious. And you just kind of want to just play around a bit. And unfortunately, the main thing I can take away from it is the highlight was the uh, Space Jam viewing party <laughs> at the end nice. of the chess camp. But it was fun. <laughs> And, uh, you guys didn't watch... Uh, we did watch Search for Bobby Fischer. Okay, I was point. just going to ask. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, which was, that was another movie. It probably contributed to the kind of this chess resurgence in, in my it's life. Funny you up. should bring up Bobby Fischer. Uh, there's a famous SNL skit where um, Will Ferrell and uh, someone else is, um, they're cheerleaders, but they're cheerleaders for a chess <laughs> game at, work, at the school. And uh, they have the chant where it's, Bobby Fischer, where is he? I don't know. I don't know. And uh, and I recently went to a friend's play. It was John and uh, Emily's play. Uh -huh. And they were doing SNL skits, and they did that one, but they skipped that part because they what? got to the got to it, and they said, "Who's Bobby Fisher?" And they had no idea. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Well, look him up. And, uh, it doesn't sound like an interesting guy. That's kind of come sad. on, <laughs> that's Bobby like, Fisher. Like the jokes alone are worth knowing who Bobby Fisher is. <laughs> He's fantastic, or fast, fascinating person. Uh, but it's interesting that ch obviously chess is a is a game for like you, some people can be very good at it, and going back to Hive or Tack or something like that without trying to draw too broad a comparison between the two. You get very good at chess. And there's this renown, like if you're good at chess, you are like a genius. You're some sort of like savant. And um, it kind of like bleeds into popular culture. One of my favorite scenes, like not really favorite scenes, but one of the cooler parts of what, you remember Thunderball? Great James Bond flick set in the Florida Keys, I think, or is it in uh, Jamaica? I'm not sure. Nice tropical place. But the beginning starts with, there's there's these the scene of this giant chess tournament. And uh, you've got the... The one fellow, this swarthy-looking individual, versus this rather milk-toast—is that the way you pronounce it? Uh, fellow sitting there with glasses, they're both pondering over things, and then the guy, like the 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 fellow with glasses, puts his timer down because he's made his move, and the other guy goes and makes his turn. And all of a sudden, this guy comes up next to him, and the fellow whose move it is and taps him on the shoulder and whispers something in his ear. And the fellow just kind of looks at his watch, and then he just checkmates him in one move, and just gets up and leaves because he's this the specter agent, the <laughs> right, villain who's yeah. just like he's just been playing with the guy the whole time, and then he's like, I have no time for this anymore. I'm just finishing the game. <laughs> I'm right, out of here. <laughs> out of here. So just yeah, it's a neat game. There's a lot of uh, well, let's say that uh, high-level chess players are jerks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so they'll always scoff at <laughs> chess in popular culture. You yeah, know? Yeah. Oh, this is ridiculous. This yeah. would never happen. Come on, just it's for fun. It's media. Yeah. Um, 
And we also grew up in the era of like the the, the man versus machine, where it was oh, really Kasparov versus kind of, Deep Blue. And Kasparov is a fascinating person too, and I I actually really look up to Kasparov as someone who, like a who he speaks his mind and he's not a, like a a jerk necessarily, depending on who you talk to. But he's an interesting person who's definitely been who's had his share of stories versus uh, some other guys. But Spatsky was the person that, and I think we actually have a signed. We have a signed chessboard floating around the house of either Spatsky or Kasparov. I think it might be Spatsky, and which is kind of cool from one of these tournaments that he was at. I was trying to explain uh, yesterday to someone why uh, Fisher there was the warrant out for him for playing Spatsky uh, because I don't know this there, story. Was, there was a ban uh-huh. on sport with the USSR uh, that's because right. relations were not so good at the time, and he yeah. said, "Forget it, I'm playing anyway." Yeah. And uh, went out and obviously uh, took him down, and so yeah. he, he's still famous as the player that was never beaten because yeah. of that. But uh, yeah, it's cool stories. It's pretty neat stuff. All right, so um, I think on that note, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, we're going to get into something later on after the music about intrigue it's with some intriguing music. Stay tuned. CFRU ninety three three FM.
Welcome back to CFRU Androids Dungeon 93.3 FM, University of Guelph, Ontario, Canada. What you just heard was obviously uh, Moonlight Sonata by, uh, I think it was Mozart, right? Mozart did Moonlight Sonata. Mr. Beethoven. Oh, Beethoven, that's right. Um, perfect little mysterious. It's when I th- when I I hear Moonlight Sonata and you you say you're going to talk about intrigue, Joel. I think about someone kind of lightly skirting across the rooftops in some Renaissance city, and uh oh, they're getting up to some trouble somewhere, but nobody knows it. They're the perfect stealthy uh, entrant. You but, say that uh, I think of Mr. Jack, which you wouldn't really think of as a as an intrigue, but yeah. you know, you've got a deduction is deduction. Uh, is a major factor in intrigue, right? All right, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Joel, how would you define what intrigue is as a genre of games? Because I don't know if it's a mechanic per se, but we're, we're getting into something a little broader on this one. So an intrigue game, and I, was, I would say intrigue game uh, is more narrowly defined than intrigue in a game because mm-hmm. we will talk about some uh, games that put intrigue into them. But basically an intrigue game when it is is uh, figuring out your opponent, mm. trying to read your opponent and not being read yourself. Right. That's a good way to put it. And how deep can we get here? Is this What are we going to say? Are we going to say it's... Um, it's all bluffing and talking, or there's going to be some mechanics here. What what can we expect? Uh, the the intrigues that I think of, uh, you're going to have sort of a secret role, and yes, there will be some kind of game function, but mainly it's just there to serve you. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to figure out an opponent at the same time, um, sort of playing around and talking. It's mm-hmm. a, intrigue is a lot of us. It's a very social game. Usually, you can ha- play up to six to ten players. Yeah. Uh, and you've got I've got some uh, some fun definitions here. So as a verb, uh, intrigue's not that interesting as a noun. Here's here's <laughs> what we're getting into here: secret plan, plotting, Ooh. plot, collusion, oh. conniving, scheme, scheming, machination, <laughs> trickery, <laughs> double dealing, underhandedness, subterfuge. The funny thing is, like you could probably just I bet there are games <laughs> named after every single one of those words right. you just put down there. But, or a mysterious or fascinating quality. Oh, that's kind of cool. Um, so something else too, and we're going to get into this in a moment, is that intrigue often indicates some sort of, like we've already said deception, but there's usually some tr- sort of traitorous element in which you're trying to accomplish something, but people are working against you and you don't know who, and you're trying to guess or suss out their motivations based on the way they've acted or something they've said, or maybe the way their eye kind of went up when you asked them what they were doing on that last round. So there's a lot of different things. So let's get the ball rolling, Joel. Let's let's start off light. What would you say is a light intrigue slash deception game? Or if we're thinking about, let's find the bad guy okay. kind of thing. Uh, Spyfall. Sp- oh, Spyfall. How have we not managed to talk about? It? Have we avoided Spyfall on this show so far? Never spoken about Spyfall. No. All right. So let's let's set it up. Let's. What is Spyfall? Spyfall is very simple. Uh, everybody's at a location. Let's say, for example, we're at the zoo. Uh, and everybody gets a specific role in the zoo, except for the spy, because the spy has no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. Everybody asks each other questions um, regarding um, the zoo, basically, <laughs> except they want to be subtle. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's two in conditions. The spy, well, the three, yeah. the spy can figure out where you are and just say it. Oh, I think we're at the zoo based off of 
Jack, who was being an idiot, and said he fed the giraffes <laughs> or something like that. Oh, I'm not, you know. I cleaned an elephant yesterday. Okay, well, it's pretty obvious. Could have been the circus. And Could have been the, the spy circus. figures it out, and we're all dead. Yeah. Or we can ask, here's Jack, and he's the spy, and he doesn't know where he's at. And I say, so, Jack, how long have you been working here? And he says, well, it just opened last week. <laughs> And, a terrible uh, answer. It's a terrible answer, and it's too vague, and everyone says, yeah, Jack, you're the spy. Yeah. If they're right, they win. Yeah. If they're wrong, the spy still wins. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that, yeah. the It's also got this great style to it. It's not serious. It's very goofy, and it's very bright and colorful, almost to a fault, because it can be a little bit, like, can be a little busy, maybe, some of the artwork, but whatever. It's just a fun cute game that everyone can get into and it's you really get to see get, but the problem is when some people are just they don't know how to answer certain questions because <laughs> yeah. you're giving them a sort of vague question and they're not really sure how to answer it in a vague way either and you're yeah, not and sure sometimes whether. the way you're asking a question can give away that you don't know what you're talking about as yeah, well exactly <laughs> i don't think i've ever seen a game end to a false accusation how's the water here yeah well something like that it's like it's it's good <laughs> <laughs> what a waste of a round. Is there, there's a timer though, isn't it? It's def- uh, no, no time limit. Uh, it's definitely a game you could play without the game. Yeah. Yeah. It's something else that's like, you could almost just write down a location on a piece of paper and just pass it around or like, I don't know. Yeah. Just and when you're writing on a piece of paper, now we're talking about Mafia. I know yeah. you said you hadn't played Mafia. So what's Mafia? Uh, Mafia is basically you've got maybe, say you've got a group of seven, you've got three of those people are mafia Mm -hmm. so in the middle of the night they'll kill somebody Mm -hmm. everybody will close their eyes the mafia will open their eyes choose somebody to kill sound familiar Mm. yeah uh everyone will close their eyes and then uh everyone will open eyes someone will die and then they'll try to figure out who did it and the person who's dead has a great time playing the game from the sidelines elimination one of the things that one of our friends hated about games major factor so so I haven't played Mafia. I have played One Night Ultimate, Ultimate Werewolf. What, what's the comparison? Are they the same game? Um, Except with the roles? Werewolf, even One Night Ultimate Werewolf, is Mafia, but you have to buy it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> More dude. They've added some roles. Yeah, They've yeah. added some interesting uh, twists, new concepts. Okay, so without going any further, Werewolf is very similar to Mafia, except you cl- you're all villagers, ostensibly, and you close your eyes, and the werewolf kills somebody in the night, and then they wake up and they're dead. Um, but there's also other players that can be like this, the witch, and she can, I think, uh, I forget exactly what all these extra roles do, but each one of them adds a different little twist to the game, and I guess you could easily implement it in the Mafia under a different name, like <laughs> the detective or the informant. I don't know. Exactly. You have like a sheriff who can point and try to figure out in the the narrator will tell them yes or no, so they'll yes. know, but they don't want to be found so out. So that's something else about these games we should point out too, is that you have to you have to have somebody run Werewolf, and does somebody have to run Mafia too? Yeah. Yeah, so you need to, and obviously it's, it's camp, it's some, it doesn't have to be boring. You can really enjoy can just make seeing, or break it with the good narrators. Yeah. You, you got to get into it. You just got to enjoy yourself Especially and you have fun describe with it. the way people die. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> you're making it sound a lot of fun. We should almost do it. You need a group of, pe- decent group of people too. And it's just all these accusations of, she's a witch burner. <laughs> we should werewolves. say this about intrigue games in general, is that you can have a lot of fun playing yeah. Agricola yeah. with anybody in the world and you just play it yourself. Yeah. Uh, intrigue games and other social games, 100% depend Live on who die. you're with. Yeah. And that's something else too, and I think before we get any further too, is it's fine if you're, you're dealing with some quiet people, but 
you can't stay quiet the whole time because you are going to be accused of the most heinous things out there, either on purpose or by accident. And if you, if you do not enjoy being shouted at or lied to or lying yourself, just stay away, friend. But it should, it's all in good fun. And it's just, it, it, it you should be getting into it and having a ball with this stuff because it's still a game at the end of the day. Yeah. I like how you mentioned these special roles as well, like uh-huh. the, the special roles that they added into the werewolf, because then it rolls right into the special roles that they they took resistance mm-hmm. and they, they put these special roles into Avalon. I want to talk about Merlin because that is such a fantastic role. Okay, so before we go too deep into Avalon, um, so we've moved on from Mafia, Werewolf, and uh, what do we start with? I can't recall. Um, and we moved on to the, I would argue the the one of the few games you should own in your collection, if for if it, it, like in this genre, which is Resistance slash Avalon. One is science fiction, the other is uh, Merlin or um, King Arthur. And it's, I don't know, you could probably play without the cards themselves too. Like you could just mm-hmm. make it harder, but uh, but basically what's going to happen is you're going on missions and you want to succeed the missions and that means the mission leader is going to pick somebody who's or pick the people who are going on the mission and the player amount changes per mission and if a single bad person makes it on that mission and they decide to sabotage the mission the mission has failed and you fail three missions the game's over so there's tons of figuring out who's the baddie who's not who can you trust? And you can all vote on who goes on the mission too. So if your team leader seems to be acting suspiciously and has selected people who you know, you know they failed that last one. You can't prove it, but you know they did it. You can say, no, I don't want Joel on this mission. He's he's a trickster. One of the things I love too is when that mission fails. You see the one <laughs> fail card and everybody that was on the mission all of a sudden is ready. It's him! It's not me, it's him! Right? And especially, you can really tell sometimes if somebody's not very good at the game yeah. because they know that it's going to fail yeah. so they've got their argument all prepared yeah, yeah, in their head and all of a sudden, let me tell you why. You can, yeah, you you can know who exactly who I'm I know who you're talking about. about. It's, you can tell the person who is just like... <laughs> Who's already put their fail card down and sitting there writing their speech on how to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, going back to what you were saying about Avalon and these roles in this game. So yeah. So this is the best uh, part of Avalon. Best edition. Basically, Resistance was the game as it as you've heard it described so far, and then they added a bunch of special characters. And this one Merlin is fantastic. So Merlin gets to know everything. Merlin knows who the bad guys are. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't you, right at the beginning of the game, say it's these three people, don't let them play? Well, I don't know, Joel. It seems dumb. I already know who's the bad guys. Well, if the bad guys figure out who you are and you end up winning the game, they get a chance. Who was Merlin? <laughs> if they figure it out, they win and you're dead. Yeah. So tell us how Merlin's supposed to play the game then. Oh, I had this the best game of Avalon I ever played was actually with Kayla, oh, yeah. with your girlfriend. Um, I told her right at the start. I, I turned to her my left and I said, "I'm Merlin," and no one heard it, <laughs> and it's really quiet. And then I just started whispering, you know, <laughs> instructions to her. Well, everybody, because everybody gets into these yeah, big yeah, yeah. animated discussions, and yeah. then whenever that happens, I just turned and caught. Calmly start to tell him, you know, this person, <laughs> this person, this person, you need to put this person in. This is gold. I love and then it. she would be super vocal and say, you know, I think this and this and this. And she'd be the Merlin. She was the Merlin proxy. To the yeah. game. 
And so I've obviously at the end of the game, the bad guys lose and they say, well, Kaylee, you did a terrible job. You're very obviously Merlin. <laughs> <laughs> That's when Joel takes off his non-beard and his real beard comes out and says, ah, I was Merlin. That's great. It was me all along. And then conversely, I think um, the bad guys get uh, Mordred or uh, Morgan. Yes. And I forget what she does. She, uh, well, there's one that's hidden from Merlin. So oh, okay. One bad guy knows the see. three. Uh, one, I think, knows who Percival is. Percival is someone who knows who Merlin is on the team, so mm-hmm. they can kind of take the fall, yeah. uh, support Merlin, and be vocal like that. So kind of like what you did with Kale, except uh, formally. Yeah. I don't know. So if, in case you couldn't tell, just like <laughs> hearing me get excited on the air about this and Joel <laughs> relaying, replaying stories of games past. what the lady in the water does? No, I don't think we've ever played. <laughs> I think every time we, we look at it, like, what does she do? There's no, let's screw it. <laughs> let's, let's just play what we normally play. Very good game. Inexpensive, again, Spyfall, inexpensive. Resistance, inexpensive. Um, Saboteur is a deck of cards. Sab- oh, Saboteur, very simple. You can't play without the deck of cards unless you make your own. But again, we're not we're not encouraging copyright infringement. We're just saying that you could do it if you ran. Let's say your copy exploded and you're broke. You can <laughs> make your own. <laughs> uh, Saboteur is a game we bought because Joel said he loved it so much. And I think I've only played it twice, but I had a great time both times. Much lighter. Set it up for us, Joel. What is Saboteur? You've probably played these games as a kid on your computer where there's some some sort of pipe laying. Usually there's some water flowing from the middle and you need to I know exactly rearrange the pipes or, or put the pipes in in a certain way so that the water makes it to the end before it all spills out. If you ever played Bioshock, that was the dumb hacking mini game. It was stupid. Yeah, <laughs> which was obviously an homage to that. Yeah. Um, but uh, basically that's the game is you're just building pipes towards gold or mines towards gold. And you're all working towards uh, three possible gold spots near up the top there's seven spaces away or seven cards away and that's it right jack yeah that's it everyone just lays down the tunnels everything's hunky dory nothing bad happens Go team. Yeah. not not there are <laughs> some sort the, of the name of the game that's a person Sab- that breaks uh, things and uh, some, what is this? two sabotage breaking man that'd be a noun for uh, forget it can't think of it yeah well, anyway, it's a good game, so check it out. Yeah, and it's it plays quickly too, and it's another one that it shouldn't go very long. And uh, I think it's difficult for a saboteur in when you're playing in larger groups because even though they give you more saboteurs, I think it's I've seen very few times when they've actually done enough damage to really drag people. Well, here's the thing, Jack, because it's a cop game, but it's also a yes, this uh, is, has the this most is the other part game. Uh, so if you're the one to reach the gold, you get more gold. Is it like you're else. the person who put the last piece down? Exactly. Yeah. And then it goes around in a circle. So if your person to your left also gets more gold. Mm-hmm. So people, I feel, in a large group, there's a lot more, a lot less experienced players, and all often work. Uh, how do you, they're too helpful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I know saying. what you're saying. Right. Uh, sometimes uh, you get near the end, and you're close, and you know yeah. you can get there yourself. You want to break a couple people yeah, just yeah, so yeah. that you're the you're more likely to get the money, but and that's I think why the saboteur struggles so much is that yeah that's a good point. Like I said, I've only played a couple times, but I could see in a larger group when you start to realize like wait the person to you're saying the person on my left gets it, then it goes all the way around, and I'm the last person to get gold. Mm-mm, nope. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you start breaking stuff, but maybe buy you some time for that. So saboteur, another extremely inexpensive little game there. So let's move up in intensity a little bit. Oh yeah. 
so we've gone through some card games that aren't, um, they're not bad by any stretch of the imagination. Let's each do one. You go first. All right. So I'm going to move and say, and it's, it's not a strict uh, intrigue game in a sense, but it's called Archipelago. And it is a, a game that is heavy as heck, unfortunately. It's just in, also in quantity. It's, but it, on the surface, it just looks a, like a simple Euro. You're sending your ships out. You're, you've got like disc selection stuff where you're choosing actions. You're grabbing resources. But the problem is, is that there is the possibility that one of you, because you all draft roles, and one of you may have drafted the role of the, I believe it's the usurper or something along those lines, which is that on the in the game you have, because it's all about colonizing this fictional world, and you have the natives in the world. And the more you sort of recruit them into your ranks, the more you work them, the angrier they get. And if you reach a certain point, there's a violent overthrow and your entire colony goes up in flames. You, None of you guys want that to happen, except for that one guy who wins if everyone burns the place down. So you have to keep an eye on players who are, because there's these crises every round, and you all have to contribute goods to them or else uh, revolts, they increase in intensity until things burn down. Um, which sounds very similar, some might be saying, to another game that's way more popular called Dead of Winter, but it's not nearly as good, uh, simply because I think the zombie theme is played out, the mechanics are all over the place, and there's dice. There's dice chucking. Do you like losing a game because you rolled a dice the wrong way? Good. (laughs) Then you should play Dead of Winter. So that's my choice. What's Frostbite, Jack? Frostbite. Uh, Frostbite is because you roll the dice and you decide, what is it? You can only move one space or you're permanently injured. You're just taking damage. You're taking damage until you die. It's it's something that would be in a video game, but has no place in a board game. Or you roll the dice with the zombie bite and you're dead. Great. Oh, were there other players next to you? Now they're infected too or they're bitten. It's just, what a mess. Before we go any further, I want to issue something for bad games, the games we don't want to play. I felt bad about Smash Up. I was thinking about it afterward because I've only ever played it once and it wasn't as bad as I thought. It just wasn't didn't stick with me. I want to put Dead of Winter where, where Smash Up was on it the list. It deserves to be bad. Because I played so enough many, times to know. How many games do you think you've played? Of Dead of Winter? Yeah. Too many. Oof. I've only played once and I oh my God. did not have a good time. I've probably played about seven or eight and Oh just, my God. <laughs> and it drags too. I played it the first time I ever played it was on my birthday. And I didn't mind as much then. And then I thought about it and I was like, <laughs> I want my money back. <laughs> I hear you're having a keg on your birthday. Not over the air, Joel. Then we're going to get all one listener to come to our party. <laughs> They're all coming. Anyway. Dark's address is. <laughs> so Dead of Winter and Archipelago. Dead of Winter, you can probably get to the table more because people see zombies and go, oh, that's great. And, but Archipelago is the one you really want to get because that it did everything Dead of Winter does is done better by Archipelago, except it's much heavier and more intense game. So that's mine. Joel, give us your your taste of the heavier deduction intrigue game well you mentioned uh the object of the there's always a player in archipelago that's this enemy right it's again you can play it that way it's just like dead winner it's up to you whether you want to introduce the traitor which is one of the problems with it but it's there is the usurper that could be possibly in there so when people are purposely failing missions you start to wonder which ties into something yeah kind of got me wondering because of the game that i'm going to talk about is there any way to sort of um, say you figured it out, you yeah. know who the usurper is. Uh, is there some way to imprison them? No, no. Stop you just have to recognize way. that they are out to get you. They're not working your interest. Um, and it also is a signal to the rest of the team that we have to pull together for these crises because player B is going to not be contributing anything and if anything might be working against us as far as taking resources we need. 
Right. So is that sort of a matter of keeping your goods or keeping extra goods? Just yes, so that exactly. You can pull your weight. Will this guy just freeloads? Exactly, exactly. So what if somebody behaved like a usurper but was actually just being greedy and ended up winning? Well, Joel, I guess that's good for them, isn't it? Not well, it's very intriguing. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be very sneaky. Do you know any games where you can, like, there's no game out there where if somebody's out to get you, you can get rid of them. It doesn't exist. It's, uh, you can't, That's can't get them. The Dark Moon. Dark Moon. I, w- I should put on, maybe I'll load it. Here, keep talking, Joel. <laughs> it was a dark <laughs> and stormy moon. <laughs> <laughs> so, let me break down Dark Moon to you. You are in hell. In space. (laughs) You've gone to Titan. Titan is the dark moon of Saturn. Is it Saturn? Yeah. Yeah, they've all got really cool names like that. Uh, I think it's a dark moon because uh, you don't see the sun much. And they've been digging into this planet or moon. And they've gone too far. No, they didn't. Did they go too far? Not far enough. Some might say they've unleashed a horrible pathogen that turns people psycho. <laughs> but how do you know? <laughs> well, these it's obvious. Look, I just look at them. These people psycho. look fine. <gasps> what? Dr. Yamamoto cleared them. Why? But if he's infected, maybe he's infected too. So, there's nobody you can trust. Do I trust myself? Do I trust you? <laughs> Dark Moon, it's so... say Set it up, Joel. Where, where, did Dark Moon just exist? Was it just the, the game as it is? Nobody it was like, you know what would be cool? How about we have a game with a bunch of aliens and... Well, not aliens, but infected people sabotaging our space station. I'm... I might make some nerds angry, but I've never seen any single episode of Battlestar Galactica. Uh, out, but... Um, it's uh, Battlestar Galactica, the board games. You, you always get these uh, mov- movies and TV shows that get turned into board games, and they're awful. And you just look at it and you go, what, who, what shovelware is this? Get it out of here. Right. Uh, Battlestar Galactica is not one of those. Apparently, it is a fantastic game. Long as heck. Just like the show, or what can you say? Uh, the show is very good for two seasons, three seasons, then it kind of starts to spin its wheels a bit. But oh, yeah, Maybe that's the same with the game. Yeah, yeah right. It's good for two hours. <laughs> it's four hours long. Uh, so people got tired of playing the whole thing, but it's it's apparently the concept is really great because people started to mod the game into a very quick version, mm-hmm. which is funny because at work, when we don't have time uh, to play a whole game of Dark Moon during lunch, we'll play a quick version of that. Oh. <laughs> so uh, it's getting shorter and shorter, but um, Battlestar Galactica was an intrigue game. Yeah. Uh, but it was an intrigue, intrigue game where you had sort of semi-difficult missions, but they would be easy enough where if you were all working together, it would be no problem. Yeah. Silent, much like Saboteur. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the people in the game are... I don't know, what's it called? Cylons. Cylons. Yeah. And what's a Cylon? Cylons were like these, uh, I guess you call them cyborgs. They, robots that look like humans and uh, have human, like they bleed. We can did kill they, them. Did they have malicious intent? Oh, oh yes. They were not happy. So <laughs> they didn't want the mission to succeed. So their work was to infiltrate humanity or something like that. Exactly. 
Right, so in this case, uh, they've simplified it a bit. There's some people that are diseased and they just want everything to burn, Yeah, essentially. So there are three ways where your space uh, or your planetary station or whatever you want to call it can break, your shield can break, your outposts can all go fall apart, in which case you're stranded in space, mm -hmm. or life support can fail and mm -hmm. everybody can become fatigued and just give up and die. Hmm. And it's how quick do you think it is? If you everyone knows what they're doing, what do you think an hour? Fifty minutes, yeah, fifty minutes. Um, so explain how it works. But so it should be easy. Somebody obviously fails a mission, they're bad. Somebody passes the mission, they're good, right? Then you just uh, quarantine them. So Dark Moon has a beautiful little function to uh, sort of relegate um, the whole suspicion versus non-suspicion. Uh, element of the game in which um, they actually use dice. I'm sorry to say, but uh, dice is actually a brilliant element because um, they bring chance into it only to the level where if you're bad, you can hide the fact that you're bad by mm -hmm. saying, oh, I had bad luck. But you have a lot of dice, Jack, and <laughs> if you roll four dice and you can't get a single positive roll, uh, you're probably either really, really unlucky, or you're trying to make us fail. <laughs> and every character, so right away, you know if you're on the good guys or bad guys team, obviously. But you have this option, Dark Moon, to, and I think Dead Winter also does this too, but again, poorly as usual. You can reveal. You can say, ha ha, I am infected. And you kind of go, whoop, 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 and you run off and you can do even more damage. It's like, and oh. your character disappears yeah. and you get a new character with all this break stuff. Break stuff. Right. <laughs> I'd load up some Limp Biscuit if I could. But, uh, <laughs> so yeah, so it, it's a neat game and it's kind of a streamlined deduction thing. I think it's, it, it's going to tie into the next thing we're going to talk about, I think. But it, it's kind of tricky because like Joel mentioned, there's dice. So you can, through no fault of your own, uh, end up rolling poorly or if you're a bad guy you can through for no fault of your own you can roll really well and just have to help the team it kind of fits the theme in a sense but it's kind of my same problem with secret hitler which is that secret hitler is another one of these deduction games where one person is a bad guy and then you've got a team working around them it's kind of like reverse merlin where if you get rid of hitler you win the game um, but you draft these bills that are randomly assigned to you and you have to submit do you submit one of them how does it work um, basically, what, there's always a president and a chancellor. The yeah. chancellor, I, I might get these mixed up. The yeah. chancellor, I think, selects three mm -hmm. and, um, or looks at three. Liberal eliminates and fascist one, bills. Yeah. Eliminates one and hands two to the president. So the chancellor knows uh, what they're handing to the president. Mm -hmm. No one else gets to know. Yeah. Uh, they could be giving two fascists. They could be giving two yeah, yeah. Um, liberal, or they could be giving one of each. Yeah. I see um, just quick rundown win the game by uh, publishing enough liberal articles that uh, the rise of the <laughs> Nazi party Hitler doesn't win rising uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the Nazis win for various reasons mo mainly uh, propagating their Nazi uh, yeah they pass enough fascist things in his articles and as so as with Dark Moon if you are suspected of being uh, infected, you get quarantined, you get thrown into jail. Yeah, so this is one of the cool things about Dark Moon is the biggest social aspect of it is the voting. Yeah. Uh, you take your dice, the black dice mean you're not infected, the red dice mean you are infected. People get that mixed up a lot of the yeah, time. Yeah, that's a fair enough. Both yeah. the wrong way. Um, 
and if yeah if you think someone's uh, been rolling too low then see you know what we're gonna take away your dice and put you in prison so you lose you all your reveal, dice you keep two two if you have a reveal is infected, you can't do whatever infected power you got. Right, so you kind of neuter the, the player that's uh, been quarantined, and usually it's pretty cool if you act. Can you put unlimited people quarantine? Like if yeah. You, yeah, so you could just you have this cramp cell. <laughs> Whereas in Secret Hitler, the only, like if you suspect somebody being a bad guy, or depending on how the votes go, you can decide to assassinate them. So if you pass enough fascist measures, I guess there's this implication that you're lining people up against the wall, and you can just say, mm, Joel was passing a lot of bills I didn't like. So, sorry, Joel, you're out of the game. Yeah, but all, but you, basically you're just giving power to certain people, right? Yeah. So if, if people uh, put the right uh, president in place, when that card gets placed, if it's a fascist, yeah. they're the ones that could do the, the assassinate. Yeah, exactly. So I think if it, there's like you're up to, if they've passed t- two or three fascist motions and Hitler becomes, the, who you don't know who Hitler is, but if that player who is secretly Hitler becomes elected chancellor, then they win the game. I think that's the yep. way it works. So it's all right. I, it's a little random and I'm... <sighs> It's fine for people who've played too much Resistance or Avalon or other ones and they want to mix it. It's a good up. twist. Yeah. It's a good twist. But I still think at the end of the day, you don't get more pure than Avalon or Resistance just in terms of just the gameplay and the fun and the... I, I think I've seen... I've had my heart nearly broken <laughs> in Resistance when I was trusting a guy next yeah. to me with my... With, I, I could have swore he was on my side. <laughs> you really It's one of those games where you really got to let the game go after yeah. because otherwise, how are you ever going to trust this person? Yeah. You know, they're going to pick up your dog or something. Oh, you <laughs> might just stab him. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Android's Dungeon, <laughs> that would be our tagline. You have to trust this man because he, he picks up your dog or he stabs it. <laughs> it's incredible. That's intriguing. In intriguing. Great games. And again, they're usually getting into like Battlestar Galactica or something that's going to set you back some cash. I think you need the expansion for Pegasus apparently to make it worthwhile. Dark Moon, not too expensive. I think it's regular price. like. Uh, yep. Um, 50 bucks maybe yeah somewhere around there and resistance Avalon you can find them anywhere very inexpensive like 20 bucks or something and you're you're in good shape um, I or think, you can google mafia or you can google mafia you, you can there are a lot of options available to you um, I think there's also something called two booms in a, in a room which is a bigger party game I haven't played it yet but it basically involves if certain too many people of one type are in one room then the bomb goes off, but you're trying to figure out, you're trying to get basically defuse it and figure out who's out to get you or whatnot. But you know, one last thing we could talk about because it's lots of fun, mm-hmm. and obviously this is uh, preset, um, but there is a little bit of intrigue involved. Murder mysteries. Okay, all right. We have we done murder We've mysteries together? One, yeah, we I did think. one. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Kale and I are working on our own. It's going slowly, as in slowly, <laughs> but uh, we've got the theme, got the theme figured out. Um, but I'm pretty sure if you go into grandma's closet or something, you can find an old murder mystery that hasn't been cracked open yet. But they're kind of fun. You they're probably get... hot in the 60s or something. Yeah, yeah something, just like some, a big deal to kind of host your own murder mystery. That's kind of cool. But there's a lot to do with them. And I think if you don't get too invested in the actual murder itself, because the, I think the solution can be, I think last time we did it, um, the person who did it, turned out to be the person we all thought did it but thought no that's too obvious doesn't make any sense why this psychopathic murderer who's hearing voices is the actual murderer but shows what bad investigators we are not going with our lead suspect you thought maybe he had the shining or something <laughs> <laughs> well you he meant He's well the hero after all oh, no, is that what murder. you got from the shining joel <laughs> 
Um, oh, there's one we didn't say. Uh, Deception, Murder in Hong Kong. Uh, yep. Is it like a, a twist sort of on the genre because you do have someone working out against you and you do have somebody who's trying to help you. And it's basically you've got... Um, it's set in Hong Kong. Can you believe it? And what happens is a murder is... Uh, random whoever's the murderer chooses three objects or an object a place and a motive as the murder and they have the coroner who cannot talk to you directly but on these uh, piece of cardboard with preset sort of uh, words on them can steer people in the direction of what the actual items are and I believe each round people kind of put their tokens and they vote on which objects they think are actually responsible for the the crime that was committed and eventually you're supposed to sort of like through deduction and um, it's kind of mastermind ask yes, no, no, yes. Yeah. Oh, it's these things. They're gone. So let's give an example. Say um, cause of death is one of the clues that you can give and maybe it's asphyxiation Yeah. and you've got three people out there. One guy's got a uh, chainsaw and the other guy's got a samurai sword and the third guy's got uh, a poison. Yeah. Well, what do you think it's I guess poison? Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to go with something a little more obvious, like plastic bag or yeah, like a rope. Sure, or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's kind of like the the idea behind it, where the person, one person is trying to guide you toward it. And meanwhile, the murderer is actually saying, no, guys, it's got to be this. It doesn't make any sense. Why would an association be anything yeah. but the chainsaw? <laughs> Someone's very vocal about something that's a pretty heavy stretch. You can start to look at their things and see if it lines up. <laughs> you can. Can you just accuse them too? I can't remember if the deception. Yeah, so everybody gets a badge, and everybody does one accusation. Oh, okay, that's it. And if does it take one person, or do they? You all? don't accuse a person. That's the problem. You have to line up the uh, items. That's right. It's been a while since I played it, and uh, I'm just recommending because it was kind of off the top of my head that when it comes to these sorts of games, it is a deduction game. Is it intrigue? I don't know if I'd go that far, but it's got intriguing elements. It's very much like Mysterium, except you've got an enemy. Yeah, exactly. So. Mysterium, and so you have Dixit, then Mysterium, and then uh, Deception Murder in Hong Kong. Mysterium, you're all working on the same team together. Deception, you've got somebody working against you. So I guess you could argue that Deception is Mysterium, but Intrigue. Do you think that's sure. fine, Joel? <laughs> <laughs> it's adequate. <laughs> anyway. They're games. They're games. I can tell you that. Oh. Is it over, Jack? I know, I can't believe it myself. So those, that lovely bass and those drums indicate that we are down to yet another end of Android's Dungeon. Discussing intrigue, hopefully you learned a thing or two. Don't stab your friends in the back, but if they do, you should just let it slide because it was all part of the game anyway, and you should have should figured it out a long time ago. I'm Jack. And I'm Joel. Thanks for listening.